On this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood, five plus one questions. And today, my extra special guest is Alison Zenden. Alison is a psychic in her own right and has lots of held views that are her personal ideas of anything within the psychic world. So if you want to hear Alison talk about the things that she thinks the answers are to these questions, stay tuned. Welcome to Twisted and Misunderstood with our new format, the five plus one questions. On the show today with me, Dominic J. Zenden, is Alison Zenden. And she's going to give her answers to the five questions that everyone's talking about right now. So welcome, Alison. Thanks, Dominic. How Hi. are you, Alison? How's things? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, nice and sunny here today, so in England. So, yeah, got nothing to complain about. Thanks. Okay, so let's keep it to the, the, the five questions. And then I've got one question at the end to throw at you. So that's going to be an interesting talk. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the first question is, conversations with the living or conversations with the dead? Hmm. With the dead, I think, because I really would like to speak to my dad. I think he's been, I don't know, he's been gone about now 14 years. And I would like to know, because he's not, he wasn't someone spiritual. He wasn't somebody that really believed or had any opinions that he shared with me. I was always sort of kept, you know, away, arm's length when there was any opinions to be shared around. And I just want him to, you know, to talk to him just to see what he thinks about things now, if he could put himself back, knowing what he knows now. And I'd just like to have a good old conversation with him. Yeah. So do you think that the people that have passed into spirit are wiser than the people that are living right now? I don't know if they're wiser. But I think they've probably been given more. Um, they've they've got more information, yes, more spiritual information because they've been part of it, haven't they? Well, like, maybe we might say that, but maybe that people that are not alive right today, the way that we communicate with them is on a soul level, and some might say that you could do that anyway. They might do, yeah, but I just want, I'd like to hear his voice again. Um, anyway, you know, the way he was, uh, he might not come over to me like that, but um, yeah, I'd like to give it, I'd like to give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. And you did touch briefly, you said um, you'd ask him one question. What would that question be? I'd ask him really what he thought about me now and the life that I'm living rather than how I was when. He passed when I was in my late forties. Okay, so you know, is there a different person now in your life to where you were when he passed? Um, my personality is still the same, but the way I've done things now, and um, you know, more spiritually connected, and different ideas, and allowed to express myself a bit more. And yeah, I just like to sort of just see what he he thought about me and how I've advanced i suppose yeah and you know, i mean in your life now you've actually grown into a very sought after psychic um, lots of people come to you for consultations and for readings and your knowledge has grown 
So do you think that your dad would understand you now better than he did before? Mm, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to think he would, um, but he's always thought of me, or he did, used to think of me as young Alison, um, somebody that was his daughter that really didn't have opinions, that really had to believe what he believed or what the family believed, and, and that, that was how he was. Yeah, like many men of his generation, it's the Second World War generation, isn't it, your father? And you know, he was on the, the big boats, wasn't he, using the Navy, Merchant Navy during the Second World War? Yes. And um, he lived through a lot of the things. And do you think he'd be able to draw comparisons from what he lived through to what we've lived through since he's gone into spirit? I'd like to think so. I'd li I'd like to think that um, that we could we could talk and we could talk on different different levels now. Yes, I I do. Um, but you know, he's just somebody that I just thought. Well, I'd really like to to find out a little bit more and for him to, you know, may maybe give me the tick in the box that yeah, you're doing okay. Okay, and and that's I think the same for a lot of people. They they look for confirmation that their life is being spent in a wise way or that in a definite way, rather than just drifting through life. And so many of us look to our parents for that. Um, not I don't know if it's approval, but it's nice to have their um, blessing, isn't it, when we're doing something that we might not have been able to do when we were growing up. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm trying to get over. Yeah, approval. That's really a good word. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's really the answer to the conversations with the the living or the dead. I think it's uh, something that we all will probably think about at some time or other. Number two question is: um, Do you believe in angels being angels, or are they aliens? Are angels extraterrestrial, or are they? born here on earth and look after us here on earth i think angels are extraterrestrial i think that no they're not born on, on earth here no i think it's another dimension and i think that we all see them in different ways but i would i would call them aliens really i don't know if i'd call them angels i'd call them aliens so we're coming up to this really busy festive period, aren't we? Then angels are going to be everywhere. They're on Christmas cards, on wrapping paper. They're everywhere, aren't they? Yes. So do you think that how modern society denotes angels is close to what they are? Probably not, no. I think it's probably made up for, for the commercial market. I think it's nice to have angels on cards because it's all pretty and it's nice and it comes from the story of, of Jesus and the Christmas fables and things. But um, no, I don't think, I think there are probably angels, yes, but in a different, completely different way. But I call them aliens. Yeah. Okay. So describe to me how you see your your angels. Okay. Well, I've seen them three times and I've seen them three times in this cottage. Um, and they've all been at a time when I've been twice, <laughs> I've been sort of excited about something. I, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I've been excited and I've run down the stairs and I've seen them both in the same uh, space at, at the bottom of our stairs. Um, and they've come as sort of bright little sort of like stars or 
patterns, really bright, as bright as I can possibly say. And then they lift up and they move about and they twinkle and really pretty, really, really pretty. And it stops me in my tracks to look at them. Haven't lasted for very long, but that's what I've experienced twice. And why do you think they were where they were? Why do you think you saw them at that moment? I think my vibration was quite high at that point. And I think I was feeling super excited and there was something I might have wanted to tell you or or something that, that couldn't wait. And I think, yeah, I, I just triggered them at that moment. And I, I feel privileged for that moment. That minute wasn't very long, but yeah. And then another time, and it wasn't that long ago, um, in our kitchen, I'd gone in and I think I was, it was completely the opposite. I think I was, oh my goodness, I was panicking because something was overcooking probably <laughs> chips in the oven or something. And I was sort of panicking to turn them down and it's, I was stopped in my tracks. It's suddenly these bright lights again, although I didn't see them in front of me this time, I saw them on my peripheral vision and they started to dance around and they were very much like the ones that I saw in the lounge a few months earlier. And I, I think they'd come in to stop me from panicking. That's my interpretation because I suddenly calmed myself down and said, oh goodness, th this is something different. These are these alien angels. I'd have to call them alien angels, I think. <laughs> a a alien angels. Ange alien angels. That's, a, that's a, a different way of looking at it. I think that the, the definition is that anything born on Earth is um, terrestrial. Anything that bore, is born outside of Earth is extraterrestrial. And it'd be amazing the amount of people that will believe that angels exist, yet aliens don't. And really, they're one of the same thing. It could well be that um, they come from different dimensions. It could well be that they are their own life force, their own yeah, energy, this light that you described, this really beautiful light, um, they're quite common in people seeing these particular energy forms. And it just might be that people are more comfortable calling them angels than actually saying, oh, I've got aliens in my front room to where they might say something. I've got alien. I've got angels in my front room. It's quite acceptable, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds more friendly, doesn't it? I think it's and not, not yeah. so scary, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> no. It would be a bit strange if you said to someone, "I've been followed around by aliens," but if you said to someone, "I've been followed around by angels," they wouldn't look at you like you just lost your ticket, would they? No, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's how we perceive our language and the language we use and what feels comfortable, whether we see an angel as an angel or whether we see it as an extraterrestrial. Yeah, ex exactly. Angels, aliens, one of the same thing. But we might all see them in different ways as well. And, and I would like to just add, there may be many, many different species of aliens. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, they don't all come sort of bright colours and things like that. But it's just one word that encapsulates everything. Yeah. Okay, so interesting concept, interesting understanding, and an interesting answer. Thanks for sharing your experiences, Alison. Oh, with, okay. With angels. Okay, so next question before we break for a little, you know, refreshment. Why do you think it is that we dream? Hmm. I think we dream 
so that we can let our body just relax. I think our body is so, and our brain and everything is so busy during the day that at night time, when we, when we switch off, when we have that moment, when we're in dream state, I think it's, it's something that even though we don't particularly switch off, we do bodily switch off, but mentally we don't. And, and I think the idea of dreaming is sometimes putting ourselves in a situation where maybe we'd, we'd like to explore, but we don't actually maybe have the capacity when we're awake to be able to do that. But I don't know if it's actually saying that we dream because of that reason, but I do think that, that dreaming is part of everything. I think we all dream whether we remember it or not, but I think that dreaming is something that is individual, but I think we all dream because I think it's, it's something that's inside of us, our subconscious takes over. And then when our subconscious takes over, our mind can go anywhere and, and it gives our body a rest. So do you think the subconscious is separate from the conscious? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Yes, I yes. do. So if we can separate out the two, does that mean that we can have two separate lives? Well, yes, I suppose we can. Yeah, obviously not. A, it's not physical as such, is it? But um, our, obviously, our, our brain, our soul, everything is working when we're asleep. Well, that, that's what I I believe in. Um, I don't know whether you'd call it existence, but I suppose it is really because when you're asleep, sometimes you're in control because obviously the lucid dreaming. But again if you're just dreaming at random and sometimes we just dream rubbish don't we we can all sort of think goodness what was that all about what triggered that and sometimes you don't know it could be anything from a tv program that triggers it to some people you've spoken to you know the previous day or something so yeah i think in in some ways yes we we could have two separate lives going on because you think when we when we're asleep we are our eyes are closed our body is disabled, isn't it? We, we don't move that much. And we are actually in a different place. We can still see, even though our eyes aren't functioning, we can still see everything around us and what's occurring around us. We even feel the emotion of the dream, don't we? We, we, yes. we feel the emotion within that part of us. And we also feel sometimes it's very real. It's actually happening to us in that real time, isn't it? Yes. Oh, go oh, gosh, yeah. It, it really is. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't care less or you don't even think about your body. That doesn't even come into it. You're there, aren't you? Regardless of your body just laying there almost motionless in bed. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so do you think then that dreaming is the nearest state where you get to experience of being in spirit or being without a body? I think so. I'd like to think so, because then there's nothing to be to be frightened of. I, I think it it could prepare us for that. Yeah. So do you think that dying is something to be sort of aware of, that it's a big change? Or is it just a readaption into the life that we're leading anyway? Well, that's another good question as well. Um, probably a bit of both. I think it's probably, yeah, a little bit of a, a kind of adapting us to, to certain things. 
Um, but I suppose that that might be one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to my dad as well, because then I could ask him all these questions too. Yeah, but this is the thing that I want to cross-reference, is mm. that just because people have passed doesn't mean to say they suddenly become wise. True. Yeah. 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 It doesn't change their status or their knowledge. Their, their soul is more applicable, isn't it, at that point? Because then they will see all the identities that they're likely to have had or even the identities that they want to have had during previous and maybe future lifetimes and, and the effect. But a lot of the things that we carry in life, we must also carry in our soul because it's part of our personality. So if you were to meet somebody in a soul state, maybe they may be a little bit wiser, but maybe they might just be exactly the same with exactly the same knowledge and exactly the same restraints, prejudices, ideas, opinions that they have right now. So why would we suddenly mm. elevate someone because they've passed? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I, I do understand that. And yeah, knowledge does come from within, I, I suppose. Um, and just because they've passed or whatever and, and they sort of have taken, I mean, I always thought my dad was quite an intelligent person and I think he was, but it doesn't mean that maybe he was over knowledgeable now on things that I'm knowledgeable about. Okay. So do you ever dream about your dad? Yes, I do. Yes. And do you know that you're dreaming? Are you taking part in that dream or is it something that you wake up remembering? I, I wake up remembering. I don't think, oh, my goodness, I'm in a dream. No, I'm there with him. And it's quite vivid. Um, I've done it quite a few times. I, I actually um, wrote in, the, in lockdown, I actually wrote down all my dreams um, for a whole year. I'm waiting now to put it into a book. But um, every dream was totally different, totally different. That's a really interesting document, isn't it? Because what you've got there is a document of a whole 352 days of what your subconscious was saying to you. Yes. Did yes. They, did they ever repeat? Are you saying to me that each day that you had a dream, it was different? Every day. Every day was different. I think I went through the whole year with about five days that I didn't dream. And then the days that I didn't dream, I wrote a poem. I've still got, got to get that published at some point. But again, yeah, I really enjoyed doing it because I'd wake up at like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning sometimes and I'd have a pen and paper by my bed and I'd scribble down what I could remember. Then I'd go back to sleep again and then the next part would be something completely different and then I'd scribble that down in the morning again. Okay. So have you ever had reoccurring dreams with similar themes or your dreams always been different? They've always been different to a degree, but I've had similar people. In the dreams, yes. And what do you think the purpose behind your dreams is? Um, some of them, not all of them, but I think some of them are fear-based. I think some of them are perhaps to say, well, contact certain people or interact with certain people that you haven't. Um, sometimes they can be just to do with anything you watch on television, which can be a bit disturbing. And I don't have any idea really why I, I dreamt about that other than that was the last thing that I thought of before I went to sleep okay so really interesting so why do you think we dream well I think it's our subconscious that takes over 
I think it's just something that, as I said before, we're immobilized. It gives our body a little bit of time to rest for the eight hours or 10 hours that we're uh, asleep. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Alison. And in part two, come back and we will carry on asking the five and one questions. Welcome to Twisted and Misunderstood. If you're enjoying the five in one, let me know. There's lots more people that are going to be guests on the show in the coming weeks. And if you want to be a guest, if you work as a psychic or you've written a book or there's something going on in your life and you're really into all this stuff, come and get in touch or a profiling at gmail.com. If you want to go and listen to all the other programs we have on Twisted and Misunderstood, there's over 200 podcasts there now, or come on to mine site org and talk to me about how you get an aura profile done or a reading welcome back to twisted and misunderstood five plus one questions with my guest today alison zenden and alison's been answering the first three questions and i hope you're enjoying the show and listening to this really interesting conversation between us. Now, the next question we have, Alison, is one of a very, very simple nature. It's uh, such a big question, though, and something that philosophers have, have looked at over time and memorial to try and find answers from. But do you think we have a soul? I do. I think we have a, a soul, whether it's a, a little recording device or some energy but there's something yes we call it a soul and i do believe that yeah i believe that we we have it for many reasons i think a lot of it our, our sole purpose is because we have previous we've had previous lives we have future lives and i think it's yeah it's, it's collecting lots of little data and everything and between lives and I think that's why sometimes we you know we feel more affinity to other people because we're more on a soul level and I think that's the reason that we have souls I think uh, you know from when we're born to to when we pass so so we all have souls yes okay and that soul is a recording device I think so yeah yeah any idea what forms a soul is it you know the the energy of the person i think it's i did perhaps you call it um intelligent plasma or something like that but i think it is a ball of energy of some sort that is released at the moment of death or maybe just before dying yeah i don't think we we can ever see it or we ever can really see exactly what it is until that point okay so uh, a soul is intelligent plasma that is within us, which makes sense because all our bodies are electrical based. Everything runs with electricity in our bodies, our heart, our nervous system. It's all full of electricity. So plasma would be at the center of that and it would be the energetic center. This soul that we have is recording everything that we do, say, interact with. So that is our center of our intelligence. That's the eternal part of our body. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yes. Okay. So do you believe then that we can communicate from a soul to another soul? I'm sure we can. Yeah, I'm sure we can. Um, maybe that's telepathy, maybe? No, telepathy is more about the mind and the mind 
talking to another mind. Um, maybe that we think telepathy is mind to mind, but maybe telepathy is soul to soul. Yeah. Would that, yeah. Would that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it may explain why we have um, soul groups, like Michael Newton talks about. Michael Newton, who's done lots of past life regression therapies with people and has written several books on the subject, he talks about soul groups and that we gather soul groups into different areas. So we have the same lifetimes with the same soul groups. Yes, I can, I can fully take that. So... So this would actually open up a great big area of debate about when you meet certain people, certain people really gel with you and certain people don't. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we all go through that. And I mean, I know, I know that there are certain people that, again, there's only been a few in my life that suddenly have come into my life. And I think, yeah, I feel I know you, but I don't know you. That sort of feeling when you instantly feel something before you hear it or really look at it. So it's already there. It's already in your knowledge center. You already have an idea. You feel familiar. You feel comfortable with certain people. And that is down to the reconnection of the soul. I think so. Yeah, I think it must be that. Yeah, I can't think of any other way that it wouldn't be. Yeah, it always makes me wonder why we get on with some people better than we get on with other people. Because we're all humans, aren't we? We all, yeah. we all live on the same planet. We all have the same worries, emotions and stresses and strains. Yet there are people that you can instantly like and, and you feel really attached to them within seconds of knowing them or meeting them. And there's other people that you just feel repelled by. Yes. Yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it, really? Because that, But then again, maybe, maybe personality comes into it as well. But if you're looking on a soul level, I think you know and you know when you know, if that makes sense. Okay, so this is the bit that sort of goes back into that, you know, when you know. Because yeah. if we already know everything there is to know, then if we listen to that little voice inside, or maybe those little voices, maybe every lifetime that we have has a voice attached to it. And it's not just one voice we have to listen out to. We have to listen out to a multiple of voices. There's voices that tell us one thing. There's voices that might tell us something different. There's things that might be familiar. There's things that wouldn't be familiar. And do you think the soul is that familiarity? Do you think that's the continuity within a person that keeps that familiarity centered? Yeah, I think it is. I think familiarity is everything. I think if you feel comfortable and you're familiar with with people, then I think that's that's something that you've really got to take on board. And I think if you come across somebody, I and mean, again, you might call it soulmate or soul communication, I think that's that's something that's wonderful. Okay, and one last question on souls, because I'm you know we, we know that you, you're into this sort of thing quite deeply, and you do a lot of thinking about it. What do you think phobias? Oh, do you think phobias come from previous lifetimes? So if somebody is a, is afraid of a, a certain situation or a certain animal or a certain link in their life that they see it and it brings instant fear, that there's no reason for it to be a fearful thing. 
Yeah, I think that can come from from past. I mean, from from past situations, past lives. I think before on on Twisted and Misunderstood, I talked about being a milkmaid once in a previous life and being scared because I'd been trampled on. And in this life, obviously, I don't particularly like cows. I don't like walking through fields of cows. So I do think that's got something to do with it, yes. But I also think as well that maybe phobias can come from being passed down from parents phobias that parents can put that fear into you too yeah that's more like learnt behavior um an example of learnt behavior is a wasp you see a wasp and your mum when you were very young used to flap around or get really nervous around the wasp yeah it tends to be passed on so the next generation does exactly the same and that's more of a, a learnt behavior a phobia is something you've never encountered before. Now, there are certain phobias that we have naturally because we have to survive as people. We have a, a fear of water, a fear of heights, and a fear of poisonous and dangerous animals. They are natural phobias to keep us alive that the yes. body actually has there. But then there's other phobias that, that may be totally irrational, like the, the fear of cows. You know, as far as we know, that you've never really had an encounter with a, a manic cow. Not no. in this lifetime, have you? <laughs> you know, no. You know, I don't think there's many psychotic cows in Norfolk. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or, or there might be. But it's something that's in your psyche from way, way before this lifetime. And I know that when the regression was done, um, I took you back and we regressed you into that particular lifetime as a milkmaid. It was very real, wasn't it? Very real. Yes, it was extremely real. Yeah, it, it, it's something that puts you back into that moment. And I think that moment is that fear that's that's with you in this life. Yeah, and it was really strange because neither one of us expected that to be happening that way. Not at all, no. <laughs> it just came totally yeah. out of left centre, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. So we had no idea that there was this thing in your background that brought that fear through. And, and the fact that, you know, most people that I regress want to be something like, um, they want to be Cleopatra or <laughs> they want to be Queen Victoria or, or, you know, they want to be someone that's well known in history. And when I regressed you, what did you want to be? Well, I, I don't know what I wanted to be, but I was a milkmaid. I don't know. I just had that sort of feeling that that's what I was nothing posh or nothing too dramatic no and that's <laughs> that's what I liked about the regression when we did it because it went into your psyche but it also brought out things that we had no thought about before we started that's right yeah, yeah so so yeah. you hadn't read a book you hadn't been um watching people milking herds of cows before you did it it was all new stuff to you yeah, completely. Yeah. So, and that's what the soul does. I think the soul is there for us to discover and to, to listen to and to actually learn from. Because if we write about the soul, the soul is a part of us in the now, it's a part of us in the past, and it's also a part of us for the future, which means that the soul lives or survives or is in us out of time. There's no time, time does not exist for the soul so all the things that we do around us all the things that we are sort of thinking about within the times of things doesn't really exist for the biggest part of us no no so it doesn't doesn't matter does it no not no. at all it's top of timeless yeah if we're right 
Yeah, if we're course, right, yeah. yeah. There's always a possibility that we aren't, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. worth thinking about, isn't it? That's right. So this brings me on to question number five, and this is also a very interesting question. Okay, it says, does time assist or prevent human humanity from discovering more about themselves? So are we likely to find out what we need to find out in the now? Or do we need to go back in time or forward in time to discover more about us? What do you think? Hmm. Probably, I don't know, probably forward in time, I would say. Yeah. If time doesn't exist, then everything exists in one place, doesn't it? Whether it's backwards, forwards or now. Yeah. 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 So if we want to find out about ourselves then surely we should go into future lives. Yes, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and that would allow us to get a glimpse of what the world is going to become in our future. Yeah. Yeah. In our future. Yeah. In in our own little space, I suppose yeah, you could but, call it. But just let's just say, right, that if time does not exist at all, and we've done quite a lot of work together on time slips, haven't we? Yeah, we have, yeah. And the possibility that people can fall through time. Yes. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about that on Twist and Misunderstood. We've also talked about Mount Shafter. Isn't yes. it Shafter? Shasta, yeah. Shasta, yeah. yeah. And how people disappear in that region of the world and the possibility they might have fallen through time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could have easily fallen through time. Yeah, but but again, what time or how? You know, this is the thing, isn't it? We we don't really know. Well, all we can do is what we go with and what we see. And there's been lots of examples throughout history of people being out of history. They talk about, first of all, we talk about Rendlesham. Rendlesham is talked about by the people that were there the people that experienced Rendlesham, which is a big UFO incident in England in 1980, two, two nights in a row over a Christmas of 1980, UFOs were seen in the woods over Rendlesham Forest. Now, the people that were there, people like Colonel Holt and a few of the others, believe in their own belief system that those machines were time travellers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so which would mean that we've conquered time. In the future. Yeah. And they're coming back, aren't they? They were coming back to, to maybe stop something or to warn us. Yeah, here. To stop something happening. Um, yeah. Reports that have come out of that since are things like lights coming down from the UFO over where the silos, where the nuclear weapons were kept. Yes. And in 1980, in, in the during the Cold War, this was a very dangerous time for our society. We could have easily obliterated ourselves. Yeah. And it yeah. makes me wonder whether that particular incident in Rendlesham in 1980 stopped us destroying a part of our world. Could well be. Could could really well be, yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree with that, yeah. So what we're doing is we're going into the future, then we're going from the future back to change the events. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you believe that if we can manipulate time, we can change events? Definitely. Definitely. And I think that's a good thing. Do you think so? Do you think that 
everything that we change has a, a larger effect like the butterfly wings when they flap they create a, a hurricane in you know in another part of the world because the effect is magnified mm. uh, yeah i think you know i think it's one of those things that again you don't think about it all the time but when you see something like that it's it's quite simple, really, isn't it? In some in some respects. Yeah. Well, what it would mean, really, is that we could live in a perfect world, couldn't we? Because every time something went wrong, we could go back and change it or stop it happening. That's got to be a good thing. It's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah. But was... just think of the implications of this. Just think of the implications. Nobody would get divorced. Right. Because before they met someone, they would stop themselves meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Which is, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do we experience through making mistakes? Do we have to learn by getting things wrong? And if we are learning by getting things wrong, can we change it by changing that wrong decision? Mm, yeah. I th there's force and against, definitely. And then how do we change? How do we learn if we don't get things wrong? Can we get things wrong by being right all the time? What do you think? Hmm. I think when you, when you put it like that, yeah, I, I think we do need to go through mistakes because I don't think we learn unless we go through mistakes. But I think big mistakes that are going to affect the whole universe. I think then, obviously, talking about these time travelers, yeah, I, I can see their purpose is to is to really help and divert any real catastrophe. Okay. Have you ever come across any? footage of time travel or anything that you've seen or witnessed that you think may be time travel? I've seen a few things on TV and stuff like that, yeah, where there's been, again, people, again, they look out of time, they've got different, you know, dress sense, um, they look out of place. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been in different places where you've seen people and you think, oh, goodness, this doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. So do you think it's possible to spot time travellers? I think if you're looking for them, yes. So it's being aware in the first place that they may be around. It's being aware. If you're not aware, then then no. And even if you are aware, do you think you know that that just helps a little bit, or do you think it would help tremendously? Hmm. If you if you're aware, it's it, it can probably both really. I I don't know if it's something that I would particularly worry about or be concerned about because they would just sort of blend in and i think that's why they're they're here to blend in they might look different they might slightly act different but no i i think it's got to be a good thing yeah the thing that i would you know just bring into this was the funeral of queen elizabeth ii just recently being a momentous event that's happened in our history the queen of england after 70 years ruling as a monarch, passed away at 96 years old, didn't she? Yes. And the funeral was absolutely, out. it was something to be behold, wouldn't it? Oh, gosh. Mm. And can you imagine it? People from out, if they could travel in time, that mm. would be one of the events they might want to come and witness firsthand as it was happening. Yeah, yeah. And I bet there were quite a few time travellers there, but because of so many people all blended in, you wouldn't notice it. No. And so what you're looking for is those little signs, aren't you? Things out of place rather than so time travellers are likely to be seen in crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Not but, just in 
little places individually where they could be picked up on very easily, but in situations where large crowds exist. Yes, but then again, sometimes people do dress differently. You get the unique people and, yeah, sometimes you just don't take any notice because people are very diverse and they will dress however they want to nowadays. Yeah, the world is quite a a different place, isn't it? And I I always said that if you were a time traveller and you wanted to go somewhere, you'd go to New York City or you go to Los Angeles or you go to London because the diversity of people in those cities now far extreme there's people of every culture yeah you'd probably have noticed it more maybe years ago when we were growing up because everybody seemed to dress very similar especially in the in the 1970s seemed to yeah but then time travelers have this whole sort of you know remit throughout time they can go wherever they want oh yeah and yeah, change they whatever they want and mm. Dress however they want. And this is a fascinating thing, isn't it? Mm. That the possibilities are there for this to be happening. Possibility, yeah. Okay. This is Dominic J. Zenden talking to Alison Zenden on Twisted and Misunderstood 5 plus 1. You've heard Alison's answers to the first five questions, which are, have been brilliant. I hope you've enjoyed the debate and the, and the way that we've actually you know tackled those five questions it just leaves one question left for you which is a little bit far left question that is going to sort of maybe throw you off balance a little bit are you ready for that question go on <laughs> are you sure because we, mm. you know it's it's one of those questions where we don't have to ask it right i'm ready go on okay okay if you had a choice to come back as any figure in history, who would you choose to be? Anybody in, in history. Anybody. Anybody. Could it be on anyone that, you mean, could have passed at any time, yes? Any time, yeah. Probably, probably Roald Dahl, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. If, you, if everyone knows who Roald Dahl is, yeah, he's a us. children's writer, and I quite like what he or I like what he wrote. I used to live near him in the same village um, year, many years ago, but I'd like to come back as him because I thought he had a really really good brain. I thought he was excellent at children's stories, and I've had a go at children's stories before and probably messed up, but um, I, I'd, I'd quite like to meet him. I'd quite like to be him. Yeah, why okay. not? So do you know a little bit about um, Roald Dahl? Do you know his history? Do you know what he did during his life, apart from writing stories? Um, no, I, I think he was he was somebody that, again, he, he married a lady called Patricia Neal, who was an American actress, and he lived his life writing stories for so long um, in, in Buckinghamshire. Um, used to see him walking along sometimes and got to know a few of his family members and things like that. But I was only a child then. But I liked reading his books and, and stuff like that. I liked reading about Matilda and, you know, Charlie and the, the Chocolate Factory and all the, and, and the films and everything. And, and I, I think, yeah, he was really a calm person. And I think he lived his life very calm, away from everybody. I don't think he really liked crowds that much. And I think that he was just somebody that seemed really a, a, just a person that I looked up to and respected. 
Okay, so is story writing been something that you've got an affinity to or something that you would like to do more? Yeah, it was something that I've done in the past. I've never had anything published, but I've written the odd children's story, you know, dabbled in it and stuff like that, and written poetry and yeah, you know, little little things for children. Um, but yeah, I think maybe when I've again we go back to the word time again when <laughs> when we've got time or when I've got time, I may like to to write. I, I'd never, you know, I I mean obviously now I can't write in his style, but I wouldn't mind coming back and just seeing how how he did things. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you for being my guest today on Five Plus One. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it very much. I didn't quite know what the last question would be. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for, for asking me on. Well, you're welcome. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today and hearing your opinions and your answers to the five plus one questions. <laughs>